Welcome, welcome, welcome to Chromatic Distortion with Corey Caesar. Won't you join me for tea tonight? I'll cook you up something nice. Hands and feet with a side of beans and rice. Testicles one, two, testicles one, two. What's going on, all you beautiful bastards and all you beautiful people that have a father in your life? Welcome back to Chromatic Distortion. I'm your host, that mildly lifted, Corey Caesar. This is episode 44, I believe. Um, if you listen last week, I was mildly bummed because I was uh, going into the day one and five in fantasy football, taking those hard L's, if you remember. And, I, and, and because of you guys, because you guys put that good juju juice in the air for me, I end up going three and oh like a gangster. Um, so now I'm lifted and I'm ready to fly. Uh, I also said I was going to release a serial killer edition. I'm ADD guys. Uh, I got a little distracted. Um, I, I was just, I was like super distracted this week working on some other things. Basically, my reading and focus was elsewhere. I, I really have no other excuse besides that. Um, so today we're going to talk about something that's right up the serial killer alley, at least, um, which is cannibalism. And some serial killers and murderers will be named and discussed in this episode when we get into the criminal uh, cannibalism aspect. So I actually went back and forth on if, if I was even going to uh, make this a serial killer edition or not. And I just won't do that. Um, and I'll just make this a regular one. And and, and I've had this episode kind of ready to record for a little while now, kind of just in the holster. Um, and I need an episode to record. So here we are. Um, and, and like I said, self-diagnosed ADD and I know some of you guys are out there man you're an adult you're an adult you got AD you got ADHD and I'm like no 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 guys let's, let's set the record straight here I'm not an adult I'm a 37 year old man child okay and, and I'm gonna live my life that way um so I do because because of my ADD I do I have like four or five episodes just all in various forms of completion um this one has been done so I'm, I'm just the one I'm gonna use um but I, I will promise right this second to all the listeners, um, and like Tony Montana, all I have in this world is my balls and my word, and I don't break them for nobody. Um, so, so I will still drop a serial killer edition next Monday because you true crime fans have been super patient with me. I know we have a large following of you guys, um, and I think it's been like nine or ten weeks since we did that last one, and it was on Dor- uh, Dorothea Puente. And uh, not not that well known, so I, I don't know how many people actually you know dug that episode or not. Um, but today though, it's all about that flesh eating diet um, of the human variety, you know, and and historically shrouded in mystery, myth, symbolism, and speculation, cannibalism remains uh, in most cultures one of the the ultimate taboos, kind of like sex and fucking used to be uh, in America, and it's still kind of it's going away from it, but it's still kind of taboo. Just to be able to go out there and fuck. Like them Australians do. Them Australians fuck, boy. And I love Australians. It's my favorite accent. And those women are beautiful. Um, now, according to William uh, Arne's book, The Man-Eating Myth, Anthropology and Anthropophagy, um, the known account of cannibalism, the first known account of cannibalism came following the uh, expedition to the West Indies led by your boy Christopher Columbus. Now, I, I like to use a saying when someone's afraid to do something, and that's uh, take a chance, cocksucker. Christopher Columbus did. And I, uh, I shout out to uh, Joey Coco Diaz from the Church of What's Happening Now. That's his saying, and I use it all the time. It's a great saying. Take a chance, man. Christopher Columbus did. What, what do you got to lose? Um, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend taking a chance, though, um, simply on you know eating that human flesh. Uh, but Christopher uh, and his crew supposedly discovered that um, the Carib West Indies tribe participated in a particularly gruesome practice of ritualistically eating the flesh of other humans. The explorers mispronounced the name of the tribe and referred to them as cannibs, which was over time changed to cannibales, meaning thirsty and cruel in Spanish. Now, the English transi- uh, translation of the Spanish word became Obviously, cannibalism, which is the most widely used term to express human consumption of other human beings. Um, 
the Latin form of the word cannibalism is anthropophagy and is a term used mostly in um, archaeology and, and anthropology. The existence of cannibalism has been a widely disputed topic in academia. However, the evidence supporting its existence is abundant and it's represented in every medium imaginable, including stories, symbols, legends, writings, um, archaeological evidence, and even firsthand accounts. Um, cannibalism is a practice that reaches across centuries and cultures. In many cultures, it is considered atrocious and sacrilegious, whereas in, other, uh, in another culture, it is sacred and a revered custom. Cannibalism is an undeniable occurrence rooted in antiquity and branching forth to the present day. The exact origin of cannibalism is a mystery and will most likely remain so. We'll, n- we'll never know. Who, who ate who first? Right? Who was the first dude? Who's that first guy who was just hungry? It was like, man, dude, fucking little Mary over here. She just died, bro. She just got that cold, bro. I'm going to, um, got that fire, that new thing called fire. Uh, I think I'm going to eat an arm. I'm a turkey leg. Um, but anyway, um, anthropologists um, believe that cannibalism began in the early in early, the earliest human history and pro, uh, proliferated with uh, man's increasing attempt to appease the gods, survive famine, or exact revenge on or control his enemies. To date, archaeological evidence suggests that cannibalism was practiced as far back as the uh, the Neolithic period and Bronze Age in what is now Europe and the Americas. Uh, according to Tim White in Once Were Cannibals, uh, evidence found in Croatia point to cannibalism amongst Neanderthal tribes. The bones of Neanderthals were discovered during um, uh, an archaeological uh, excavation, which suggests that humans ate uh, the brains of other humans. Now, Ponche Hanzi uh, fucking Andov, Andon, Andonov, whatever, uh, wrote in Cannibalism and Archaeology that some of the criteria archaeologists use to identify cannibalism found uh, from human remains includes evidence of brain exposure, facial mutilation, um, burnt bone, dismemberment, cut marks, bone breakage, hammerstone abrasions, and missing vertebrae. Although not all of the criteria was met, obviously, when studying the bones found in Croatia, the most crucial key elements were present, including crushing of the heads and bones, burning of the bodies, suggesting um, they had been roasted over fire, and evidence of a hammering in, uh, hammering to split the brain open. You know, trying to eat that knowledge, guys. A wealth of uh, archaeological evidence discovered in Africa, Australia, New Zealand, and Far East, um, and the Middle East, further suggest the far-reaching uh, capabilities of cannibalistic practices. The motivations behind the practice of cannibalism vary across cultural and per situation and cannot be easily categorized. However, there are several forms of cannibalism that appear to be more prevalent in certain areas of the world and in certain situations. So as I kind of uh, alluded to a minute ago, there are different groups who partake in that flesh consumption um, and for a variety of reasons. So the first type or reason we will talk about is spiritual and uh, ritualistic cannibalism and there are many forms of spiritual and ritualistic uh, cannibalism worldwide exo cannibalism is defined as a culture group or tribes consumption of another culture group or tribe basically uh we we beat you in a fight and now we're going to eat you Um, this form of cannibalism has been associated with tribal power murder and aggression and has been used in an effort to scare off possible uh, invading enemies to get rid of uh, captured enemies of war and slaves. Um, many cannibalistic tribes believe that consuming one's enemies would allow them to obtain and absorb the spirit and skills of that victim. Ooh. Uh, conversely, the consumption of members within one's own culture, group, or tribe is called endo-cannibalism which is often associated with ritual burial um, ceremonies and has been controversially referred to on occasion as compassionate cannibalism. Um, Mortuary cannibalism has been considered to be 
the most widely practiced form of endocannibalism, often excluding murder and focusing on already deceased corpses. Like, hey, they're already dead. Why, uh, why let all this good meat go to waste? Am I right? Um, for example, according to anthropologists um, Beth Conkren, in an article by uh, Ellie Schick, mortuary cannibalism amongst the Wari tribe of the Amazon rainforest has a social, um, socially integrative dimension. Upon consumption of the deceased group members, the spirit of the dead was believed to be absorbed by the entire tribe and was considered by them to be one of the most respectful ways to treat a human body. Throughout the world, anthropologists have discovered that cannibalistic tribes incorporate many different forms of cannibalism. It is not uncommon for one particular group, culture, or tribe to practice a mixture of ritualistic endo and exo-cannibalism, as well as other forms such as survival and um, epicurean nutritional cannibalism, which is consumption of human flesh for the taste or nutritional value. The ancient Aztecs in Mexico, who believed to have sacrificed and cannibalized thousands of humans on an annual basis, the Aztecs were believed to have practiced exo-cannibalism, as well as endo-cannibalism and survival cannibalism. Human sacrifice and cannibalism was practiced in an effort to create a universal balance between the world and the cosmos. Aztecs believed that sacrificing humans, either from their own culture or from an outside culture, would appease the gods, and if they failed to do so, it would mark the destruction of all humanity. According to Peggy Sanday in her book Divine Hunger, cannibalism was a holy act, which allowed men to obtain divine powers through communication with their gods. Cannibalism was also practiced during times of great famine, because bitches gotta eat, bro. Other cultures participated in endo and exo-cannibalism for similar reasons, such as the North American Indians, known as the Iroquois. Um, they believed that sacrificing and consuming the bodies of their enemies would satisfy their war god and lead their spirit being transferred um, and absorbed into their own bodies. Most peaceful natives, am I right? Um, the absorbed spirit was believed to empower the cannibal with the attributes of the dead person. Uh, Mora... Uh, Manningale, I'm sorry, Martingale, author of Cannibal Killers, claims that uh, this form of ritualistic cannibalism was practiced by the Iroquoian culture uh, as recently as 1838. There have also been reports of tribes of Papua New Guinea known uh, to have practiced endo and exo cannibalism up until the 1960s for ritualistic purposes. Because America's so horrible. Uh, some of these tribes uh, partake or partook um, in cannibalism for purposes other than ritual reasons, such as for taste. They liked it. However, a majority of the tribes were known to mostly consume their dead relatives, um, and, and they would consume the tissue and brains in a ceremonial and traditional display of, of respect. And I'm not knocking anybody. Hey, hey, if that's what your culture is, and, and who cares? If they're already dead, what is it? does it really fucking matter, guys? You know, let, let these people, let these people live in peace. Um, the, the practice did have deadly repercussions though. It was discovered that many of the tribe peoples were suffering from a fatal disease believed by scientists to be related to their cannibalistic activities. Now, according to anthropologist Margaret McKenzie, a scientific team discovered that women were uh, passing on a disease to their children believed to be the human equivalent of mad cow disease in the late 1970s. Oh, excuse me. Uh, the disease, which became more widespread uh, over a short period of time, was due to the infectious uh, infectious agent introduced by the consumption of a deceased human tissue, especially that of the brain. The disease, referred to as uh, kuru, was highly infectious and was transferred in a variety of methods, including through bodily fluids. Um, the spread of this disease only began to dis diminish. Uh, diminish when the practice of cannibalism decreased. Now, um, if you're a conspiracy theorist, if, if you read any conspiracy shit, there is a large conspiracy that, that you know, some of the elites in this world and high-ranking politicians like to enjoy and partake in cannibalism, much like these other groups because they believe it gives them some kind of power, the fountain of youth. Um, that's why they do them blood transfusions of them young guys, right? They think that makes you young. So there is that belief. Now, I don't believe that, but 
you know, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I don't, I don't think it's like a widespread thing. But so when Hillary Clinton, if you remember during the last election, she was having those weird, like, remember when she got like kind of caught in those lights and her fucking head was shaking. And then at one time she got in that little coughing fit going into that van and her fucking head was shaking up. And then just more recently, um, I want, I want, I think it was Merkel. I think she was, uh, they were at something that's like, like her resignation part. I don't fucking really remember what it was, to be honest with you. There's a video of her and she started shaking real hard, dude. She couldn't stop shaking. That is Kuru. That's what happens. That's the that's the signs that you've eaten too much flesh. So as soon as people start seeing these these politicians shaking their confirmation bias, ding, 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 ding. There it is. There's our proof. Right now, I'm not saying I believe that. I'm just giving you guys a cool little you know, a little, t- a little tidbit. Um, however, though, with the fear of disease, which has the possibility of extinguishing cultures permanently, tribes enforced in, uh, uh, it kind of, it, it forced these tribes to find another, another way around their practices and possibly incorporate a more symbolic and less literal form of the ritual, ritual, which is, which is just great. I mean, that's, that's what you do as a society, as, as you, as you grow, as even these, even these small tribes who have no technology, who are out in the middle of nowhere, even they evolve socially, you know, they, they understand, hey, there's a problem here. Let's fix it. So let's leave them alone. Let's let them fix it. Why do we got to come in? Why we always got to come in and like fix everybody? Who the fuck are we? Like we're some moral, uh, we're some moral authority on the world or something, dude. Fucking ridiculous. Who are we? Why is everyone so narcissistic thinking that they can change the world like so quickly? Like, oh my God, just trust me. If you just give me all the power, if you just listen to me completely. Uh, we'll fix everything. The whole world will be kumbaya. It's like fuck out of here, dude. You don't even realize the dynamics of the world. You you gonna fucking go into these tribes and tell them what? Oh, I think you guys should stop beating each other. They're gonna fucking eat you, guy. They're gonna eat you real quick. They just happened, I think. Didn't some dude? Didn't some dude just go to one of these tribes that has barely any? Uh, I don't think they've had any human contact of the like the, in the real world, and he was gonna go teach them Jesus. And they fucking ate them, bro. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm laughing at it. Yes, I am. I'm laughing at it. You deserved it. Um, and, and it's not disease alone, which has caused a reduction uh, in many forms of ritualistic and spiritual cannibalism because what I just laughed about, the spread of Christianity, Christianity and uh, by missionary agents and just religion in general has also led to a significant decrease in the practice. I mean, I, I knock religion a lot. I can't knock it on this. I, I actually, I always do, and I, I tell this to people all the time, religion has its place. It does have its place in society. It's just how you want to take it. Um, a, a National Geographic article, uh, Island of the Pacific for a Man-Sized Appetite, stated that by the close of the 19th century, Christian influences ended cannibalistic practices on the island of Fiji. In fact, the spread of Christianity is believed to have significantly diminished cannibalism worldwide. Um, the ne- the next type of cannibalism we're going to talk about is survival cannibalism. And it's perhaps the only generally accepted form uh, is when humans eat the flesh of other humans in an attempt to stay alive in adverse and desperate situations, right? Um, and if you don't think, listen, I don't, I don't, if you know me in my personal life, you know that I will tell you with no hesitation or qualms about it that we are animals. Humans are animals. We're like any other animal. We have basic instincts. Our basic instincts are to survive and reproduce. So fucking eat. That's it. And And when it comes down to it, your basic instincts come out, right? So if there's famine in America, if we do something that destroys this system completely and we go into being poor, do you not realize how vicious people will turn? You don't You don't think that that person who wants to feed their kid, you don't think that dude who's never committed a crime, but he's got, a, he's got his wife and his child, they're... Uh, and that this goes for women too. What, what a single mom? I'll use her so I don't get in trouble. Fine, you guys, PC guys. You don't think you don't think this mother's looking at her little like five year old daughter, who who's losing all her body weight and she's starving and she's crying. You don't think that that woman who's never committed a crime wouldn't fucking murder you to eat? Do you really believe that? You you think? See, the problem is is you think humans are above approach, that we are a uh, 
that we are somehow different. We're not different. We're on this. We, we've evolved differently. We're smarter. We had the ability to be compassionate and other, other animals are compassionate. We have, we have the ability to communicate. We have the ability to have thought. We have the ability to promote peace up amongst people who might not have peace together where animal kingdom doesn't really have that. Right? So that's the difference. But the reality is we animals and we, like I said, we have two basic instincts to survive and to reproduce. And when it comes down to it, you're going to fucking do what you need to eat. Sorry. It's just that you're just going to lay there and die. I bet you a thousand dollars. You do not. Um, so sur- survival cannibalism is rare. Um, inexplicable in many cases, yet it's still an act that is uh, often punishable by law. Um, there have been several prominent cases of survival cannibalism over the last 200 years, including that of the Donner Party uh, expedition, and the most recent cases um, uh, occurred in the Andes Mountains following a plane crash. So in 1846, a group of 89 men, women, and children led by a man named George Donner uh set out across the Sierra Nevada mountains en route to California. Now, during their trek, um, the weather kind of took an unexpected turn, and they were forced to take an alternative route. Now, the travelers began to run out of food and other resources, and many died from exposure and starvation. So what do you think happened here? I just told you what's going to happen. Half of the travelers perished before the remaining people eventually succumbed to their situation and began to... Feed on the flesh of the dead in an attempt to survive. None of these people would ate anybody at any other time in their life. But when that instinct kicks in, you're gonna do what it fucking takes. Nobody wants to die. No, no normal person wants to die. Um, so the the travelers, um, um, the, so there was 46, 46 survivors. Of the, what was it, 90, 90 something that started. So 46 made it and they were eventually rescued. However, uh, upon reaching civilization, they they were regarded as monstrous criminals and tried for their actions. The travelers served about six months before they were uh, uh, re-released back into their communities. In 1972, a group of rugby players, their friends and families left on an airplane from uh, Uruguay headed to Chile. And the plane crashed in the snow-covered Andes Mountains, killing 13 of the 45 passengers on board the aircraft. Now, many of these passengers died over the weeks from the crash-related injuries, obviously. Without any provisions, no food, no water, no nothing, those left alive resorted to cannibalizing the dead. Those who refused to eat the human flesh died of starvation. It was like, well, well, one or two options here. And those are friends and family they're eating. After 70 days, 70 days in the mountains, 16 survivors were rescued and taken back home. Uh, am I the only one who thinks cannibalism should have been uh, uh, an option in the Oregon Trail? Just real quick, side, side note, side note. You guys remember the Oregon Trail game? Like, hey, I'm low on provisions and Karen's complaining has over here just uh, ran into a bout with uh, dysentery, bro. Can we just eat her? Can we just eat her? Can that be an option? I probably would have made it to the end of the Oregon Trail if I could have used that option. Um, even in the most extreme cases, though, the act of cannibalism is treated with scorn and disgust by many cultures and is sometimes punishable by social ostracization, uh, institu- institutionalization in a mental facility, arrest, incarnation, or even death. Cannibalism is most commonly believed to be the epitome of savage behavior, Although disease and religion, again, have greatly um, diminished the practice. It continues to be practiced worldwide, though. Um, Disorganized cannibalistic practices amongst criminals have been steadily increasing over the last century, especially in the Western Hemisphere. Now, lawmakers around the world have been forced to update laws pertaining to cannibalism or establish new laws that were non-existent before. Criminal cannibalism has become the concern of the future, which is what we're going to talk about right now. In modern times, the murder of a person or the use of a corpse for the purpose of consumption by another human in any situation outside that of conditions of starvation is considered to be a form of criminal cannibalism or anthropophagy. Um, However, 
the definition of and laws governing criminal cannibalism vary considerably from culture to culture. In many parts of the world, cannibalism is not considered a crime in and of itself, and is often only recognized um, in concurrence with another crime. For example, in Britain and the United States of America, cannibalism is not considered to be a felony. Did you know that? In fact, it's technically not even against the law. But obviously... In, uh, it is socially unacceptable, which is actually a great cra- uh, case for why most laws are unnecessary. Uh, I don't see an ep- epidemic of normal citizens, in, uh, uh, including human flesh in their diets. Do you? Now, maybe some elites and politicians, like we talked about, if you're into that thing, uh, conspiracy theories. You know, maybe they're getting in on that. Uh, according, like I said, according to some conspiracy theorists, and maybe that's why it's not against the law. But either way. Those who have been found to uh, participate in gruesome acts are usually charged with another crime that is directly related to the act of cannibalism, such as murder, grave robbery, um, desecrating a corpse, or necrophilia. In other cultures, what some deem to be an act of criminal cannibalism may be an acceptable element of another culture. For example, Japanese enemies were allegedly consumed during the height of the World War II by tribes in Papua New Guinea which was acceptable in the culture during that period. There are many who refuse to believe that cannibalism is practiced in this modern, civilized age. However, there is much evidence suggesting that it does occur, and with some frequency. There have been many documented cases of cannibalism, especially within the last 100 years. Now, there are four primary forms of criminal cannibalism. That's sexual cannibalism, aggression cannibalism, spiritual and ritual cannibalism can, uh, can be criminal, and uh, epicurean and nutritional cannibalism. So these various forms substantially overlap with one another. Um, For example, one may consume human flesh for several purposes, such as to achieve a sense of power and control, which would be the aggression. Um, Yet one may also find the taste to be agreeable, which would be epicurean or nutritional. Um, Another may indulge in cannibalism in order to reach a higher spiritual affinity with the person they have just devoured simultaneously achieving a tense, uh, intense and sexual gratification. Boy, um, sexual cannibalism is considered to be a um, psychosexual disorder, which involves a person sexualizing the consumption of another person's flesh. This does not necessarily uh, mean that the cannibal achieves sexual gratification only in the act of consuming human flesh, but they also may release sexual, uh, sexual frustration or pent-up anger. Um, it's considered to be a form of sexual sadism and is often associated with the act of necrophilia, which is fucking them corpses for you layman's. Um, there have been several high-profile cases which have involved sexual cannibalism, including that of uh, Andre Chikatilo, Edward Ginn, Albert Fish, which I, uh, uh, I showcased on episode 29, Armin uh, Maywis, and Jeffrey Dahmer. Uh, during the 1920s, Americans were confun- uh, confronted with the horrors of Albert Fish, who was said to have raped, murdered, and eaten a number of children. Now, Fish was a sexual cannibal in the truest sense of the term and claimed to have experienced enormous sexual pleasure when he imagined eating a person or when he actually indulged in his fantasies. Andre Chikatilo, a Russian serial killer, was responsible for the murders of scores of young boys and girls. During most of his life, he suffered from impotency and was only able to achieve sexual gratification from the torture and murder of other people. He would often mutilate and then consume the flesh of his victims, including the breast, genitalia, and internal uh, sex organs, as well as other body parts. It is possible that he also achieved sexual gratification uh, when cannibalizing. He claimed that he was disgusted by the loose morals of many of his, of his victims who served as painful reminders of his own sexual incompetence. Um, Maura uh, Martingale writes in Cannibal Killers that most of the murders Holman committed came after viewing sexually explicit or violent videos. Edward Ginn, a uh, farmer from Plainfield, Wisconsin, was believed to have killed at least three people, including his brother, a barkeeper named Mary Hogan, and the owner of a local hardware store, uh, Bernice Warden, or Worden, 
1957, police searched Ginn's home and found the body of Warden, or Warden, whatever, um, along with the remains of over 15 other women. A majority of the remains found at the crime scene were robbed from a nearby cemetery. Ginn was believed to have had sexual contact with the corpses, that, that, that yucky fucky, as we call it. Um, he was also an admitted transvestite who found delight in dismembering the bodies and peeling away the skin of the corpses so that he could wear them around his house. He, he was also known to have cannibalized some of the bodies, including wardens um, whose heart was in a pan on the stove at the time the police conducted their search of the house. Whether he sexualized the consumption of his victims was unclear. However, there was a strong relationship between his necrophilia and his cannibalistic behavior. Um, in, 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 intriguingly, some people that claim to be cannibals have admitted to feeling a sense of euphoria and an intense sexual stimulation when consuming human flesh. In an article written by Clara Bruce titled Chew on This, You're What's for Dinner, uh, anthropologist compared eating human flesh with having an orgasm, that yucky nutty. The experience was further believed to cause an out-of-body experience causing effects comparable to taking mescaline. I recommend simply taking mescaline if you're, you know, if you're that hard up. According to Leslie Hensel, author of Cannibalism as a Sexual Disorder, eating human flesh can cause an increase in levels of vitamin A and amino acids, which can cause a chemical effect in the blood and in the brain. This chemical reaction could possibly lead to the altered states that some cannibals have claimed to have experienced. However, this theory has not been substantiated by scientific evidence. In Fascination with Cannibalism Has Sexual Roots, John Cannon writes about psychologists who conducted one of the only known studies of sex and cannibalism at Eastern Illinois University in 2002. The study surveyed several groups of people who were asked questions pertaining to cannibalism and sexual interests. The results of the study found that people were more likely to eat someone that they were sexually attracted to than not, which I think is super weird and creepy, right? Um, But this suggests that there might be a significant sexual component to the practice of cannibalism. Uh, So let's transition into aggression cannibalism. Now, most acts of cannibalism are, to a, a degree, motivated by a desire to express power or control over the victim. Cannibalism to most is the ultimate expression of dominance over another person. Now, I'd argue all day that the government is the ultimate expression of dominance over another person. If you don't believe me, don't pay your taxes for a year and see what happens and then get back to me. Okay, Um, I digress. So aggression cannibalism includes acts of cannibalism that are motivated by feeling of hostility and or fear creating an overriding need to exert power, revenge, or control over the victim by murdering and then consuming them. It's actually one of the more common forms and often overlaps with other types of anthropophagy, especially spiritual, ritualistic, and sexual cannibalism. Some forms of it gained worldwide media attention. Um, These cases include uh, Anna Zimmerman and N. Kemper, in 1981, Anna Zimmerman, 26, and a German mother of two, murdered her boyfriend out of anger and revenge and then dismembered his body. She froze his remains and over time defrosted portions of his body and consumed them with her unsuspecting children. She represents one of the few known cases of female criminal cannibals. Edmund Kemper was found guilty of the murder uh, of six women his two grandparents, his mother, and his mother's friend. Now, Kemper's killing spree and cannibalism was believed to be the result of his disdain for his mother and an unhappy childhood. According to him, his mother psychologically abused him and at one point forced him to sleep in the cold and dark basement when he was a child. While in the basement, his hate for his mother began to fester. In order to release the pent-up anger, he would often entertain murderous fantasies. Now, this is a good, just, oh man, I don't want to get political, but I just want to tell you guys, you know, uh, I've talked about this before. When you push people to underground and you don't give them any recourse to say anything or do anything, 
This is exactly what happens. The same, the same thing. You lock someone in a basement. You tell them they can't, they can't, uh, they can't participate in the world. Their beliefs actually fester and become stronger and become way more dangerous than if you just let them out into the world and just say their dumb idea. That way, fifty other people can just be like, "Nah, actually," and they can just explain and not and not attack, but explain why they're wrong, you have a way better chance of changing their mind and bringing them around to the, the way you want them to believe or the way you want them to act instead of just burying them in a basement where you let that shit just kind of fester and you let them get in their own head. And if they're with like-minded people, they get more crazy. Sorry, that's just the reality, but keep it up. Um, you guys are doing a great job. Um, so let's see, where are we at? Um, many of the murders Kemper committed had a large sexual component to them. He raped some of his victims, killed them, and then sexually molested the corpses. However, it is believed that the murders were primarily motivated by his feelings of anger and revenge directly and indirectly towards his mother. In fact, Kemper claimed that um, the unpleasant relationship with his mother was what influenced him to act out his violent fantasies, which obviously included cannibalism. Um, another form of criminal cannibalism is ritualistic and epicurean cannibalism, now, modern forms um, of spiritual and real, uh, ritualistic uh, cannibalism are very similar to that seen in tribal groups. However, the modern criminal version of this kind of cannibalism is more associated with a satanic or cult group um, rituals instead of tribes in remote locations of the world. In Helsinki, Finland in 1999, two men and a teenage girl were sent to prison for the torture, murder, and cannibalism of a 23-year-old man. The three individuals claimed to be uh, Satanists performing a ritualistic killing. In Karen Jones' Satism and Ritual Abuse Archive, she states that the murders received a little more than two and a half years each for the brutal slaying. Just, I mean, great. Two and a half years is all you get. Man, what a world. Throwing people in jail for fucking marijuana for life. Um, Jones also mentions another case where a young girl succumbed to a similar sat uh, satanic ritual. Also in 1999, a man named uh, Dimitri Diamond um, and two other accomplices abducted a 15-year-old girl in Kiev. <sighs> Excuse me. Uh, this girl was eventually murdered and her tongue was removed and eaten by Diamond. Uh, he and the other two accomplice, accomplices decapitated the girl and kept the skull as a trophy. Spiritual and ritual cannibalism is not necessarily limited to groups. Many cases of individual cannibalism incorporate aspects into their practice, um, such as Dahmer and Kemper, who claimed that when they consumed their victims, they believed that they spiritually became a part of them. They also believe that their cannibalism allowed them to absorb some of their attributes, such as power. Epicurean and nutritional cannibalism refers to the consumption of human flesh, which is primarily motivated by the taste of the flesh or for its nutritional value. This form is, to believe, is believed to be rare and usually considered to be a sub-motivation of other forms, such as survival or sexual, however rare. There are several cases that fall into this category, which have been um, significant to, to media attention. In 1981, Japanese student uh, Issei Sagawa was arrested in France for indulging his fantasies of cannibalism. One day, he propositioned a Dutch friend for that sucky fucky only to uh, have his advances rejected. Now, side note, dude was 4'11" and Japanese, so maybe she thought his dick game was a little weak, right? Not quite up to par her standards. Now, upset by this rejection, you know, he shot and killed her, and then sexually assaulted her corpse. He then carved away pieces of her body, including her breasts and buttocks, and consumed them. Martingale quotes him in her book, where he exclaimed that nothing was so delicious. He was determined to be mentally incompetent to stand trial, uh, in a French court. He was held in a mental institution for a little over a year before being returned to Japan where he has been, you guessed it, released for a number of years and enjoyed a kind of a celebrity status for a while before, excuse me, um, succumbing to some harder times financially and medically, and in my opinion, much deserved. 
Also in France, Nicholas Klaus uh, was convicted of the 1994 murder of a 34-year-old um, Terry Bizenar. However, murder was not his only vice. At one time, he worked at a children's hospital morgue in Paris and admitted to stealing flesh from the dead children and taking it home to eat. Fucking disgusting. In an article on him written by David Lauer, Klaus claimed, or Klaus claimed uh, to have eaten the human flesh for its taste, stating that uh, he preferred to eat it raw. He likened the taste of humans to steak tartare. He is uh, also believed to be a Satanist, which could be another motivation behind his cannibalistic practices. Now, with the field of psychology, there is a debate on what factors lead a person to practice criminal cannibalism, right? Now, there are many theories um, which have been presented, ranging from the over-nurturing of a child during his first few months um, of their life to sudden stress. However, there's little evidence to support most of these theories. Nevertheless, the theories put forth present a framework in which one is able to kind of gain a better understanding of the possible psychological factors behind cannibalism. Uh, in an article by Sally Talwani titled Experts um, Debate What Forces Create a Cannibal, Dr. Clancy McKenzie, uh, a, psycholo- a psychology professor at Capital University in Washington, D.C., believes that cannibalism is the result of trauma, especially that uh, experienced in childhood. He states that a child following weaning from the breast experienced separation anxiety and fantasies about devouring the mother. Think about how crazy that is. A person who has experienced this may regress back to this stage in adulthood due to stress or trauma and lead that individual to seek out the fulfillment that he has been denied by resorting to cannibalism, which I think, listen, guys, that's a stretch at best. But what do I know? Because this theory is further supported by a study on cross-cultural cannibalism conducted by Eli Sagan. Now, according to the book Divine Hunger by Reeves Sanday, Sagan argues that cannibalism is a psychological response to anger and frustration expressed through oral aggression and an urge to literally absorb a person through consumption. Sagan states that this urge can be directed at an enemy who may threaten the strength of the individual. He believes that children who are excessively dependent on their mothers due to maternal overnurturing are more likely to experience oral aggression and frustration due to separation. Moreover, he contends that an adult who subconsciously carries uh, this oral aggression is likely to express it in uh, overtly dominant fashions against women by turning into cannibalism. Now, I wasn't breastfed as a child, so I can't really relate, um, but I do love me some titties. Hashtag heavy hangers. Uh, um, Because, you know, your boy is a breast man. Uh, Evidence taken during psychological interviews with cannibals support to a degree the contention that aggression towards the mother may be a possible factor in the person's cannibalism, such as the case with Ed Kemper. However, it is unclear um, whether that aggression directly leads to actual cannibalism. It may play a part, but I don't believe it would ever just be like the sole purpose to eat another human, right? Um, Also, there's little evidence available which can confirm this theory. Uh, in its entirety, and such evidence, if it existed, it would just be difficult to obtain in reality, right? Um, even if there was some merit to this theory, it's unlikely that all cannibals, especially criminal cannibals, fit into this context. Conversely, um, in, in Tawani's article, Dr. Park Dietz, uh, a criminal expert and key testifier in the Dahmer trial, stated that it is imperative that uh, psychologic, psych, psychologists not delve too deep uh, into the cannibal's childhood experience to explain their practices. He believes that a person can resort to cannibalism when faced with sudden traumatic stress, such as the case with Dahmer, who murdered his his first victim following a breakup of the family. Indeed, stress may be an important factor, which may propel one to indulge his appetite for his own species. Um, But is not the only explanation. Now, this theory may be correct to an extent, yet it only gives a partial explanation into the motivation behind cannibalism that may not be uh, applicable to all cannibals. Moreover, it does not fully explain why, in the case of Dahmer, he entertained cannibalistic fantasies in his youth. 
essentially is important to look at the entire um, psychoanalytical uh, framework surrounding the behavior instead of only a small portion. Therefore, it may be necessary to look into one's childhood or youth as well as their adulthood for answers to the question of why people eat other people. Now listen, every decision you make in life builds up and influences your very next decision. And any one decision can drastically alter the rest of your life. So I believe, just like this guy saying, you always have to look at a person as a complete individual and them as a whole who have a 100% unique life experience that they share with nobody. You don't share anything the same with anybody. Like your experience is 100% unique. There's no one who's had your exact same experience, your exact same talks, your exact same fights, your exact same life experience. It's just, it is, it's what makes you, you, right? Um, in most interactions in life, having a bad moment or two doesn't disqualify you from not being uh, or ever becoming a good human being. I, I strongly believe that. If we can continue down that road of judging people on one past moment in their life, it's going to be a horrible life for your children who make bad decisions all the time. Because guess what? They're children who are learning and growing. Now, we have all done and said something that we would that would be considered outrageous in some circles today. It would get you fired if they made a stink about it. Um, it would get you ostracized in society. The difference is our everyday lives and interactions weren't recorded digitally and safe forever. Our childhoods are, for the most part, left where they should be in the innocence of youth and in our ever-fading memories, right? No risk of coming back and to be used uh, to judge us as to who we are right now as a person and using one single moment captured in time to disqualify us for something we were trying to obtain in life, like a job. Now, obviously, once you start eating someone, you have probably given up any chances to like not be judged on that moment alone. Um, and the same could be said for like rape and murder. But there are other theories that suggest cannibalism to be a sexual disorder and even an eating disorder, which is crazy. Now, what seems to be a, a common characteristics among many cannibals is that many of them have been diagnosed with schizophrenia or some other form of personality disorder. This theory suggests that there um, may be an underlining or neurochemical component related to cannibalistic behavior. Many cannibals, such as Andre uh, Chikatilo, Albert Fish, Albert Ginn, and uh, Issei Sagawa have been diagnosed with schizophrenia. Now, schizophrenia is defined in uh, Ruber's Dictionary of Psychology as a general label, label for a number of psychotic disorders with various cognitive, emotional, and behavioral manifestations um, reflecting a cleavage or disassociation um, between functions of feeling and emotion as well as a disassociation between thinking and um, cog cog uh, cognitive abilities. Now, Ruber points at several common characteristics in schizophrenia, including thought disturbances, delusions, hallucinations, and loss of reality. This diagnosis might help explain the experiences many cannibals claim to feel prior to, during, and after their cannibalistic activities, including blackouts, heightened sense of self and experience, hallucinations, and other forms of disorganized thoughts or behavior. Schizophrenia uh, may also be a significant component in historical accounts of tribal cannibalism. The psychotic feature related to schizophrenia have been found to have a significant genetic component, thus it can be passed from generation to generation. Therefore, it's not unlikely that schizophrenia may take root in some small indigenous tribes, which put uh, which kind of pull from a small gene pool, right? However, this theory is speculative and has not fully been explored. It is obvious um, that there are um, there is a, a dearth of resource uh, research in the particular area of modern criminal cannibalism. Although there are, although there are many theories, few are able to fully explain. Why some people just resort to eating human flesh. Now, I have a couple of bizarre court cases here involving some cannibals. We're at like 50 minutes. I don't know if I just want to stop it now or if I just want to go through these. Right? Um, no, it's kind of a lot. It's not that bad. Fuck, let's just do it. Um, 
So let's talk about a couple of interesting cases here. Because remember, it's it's not against the law, which is kind of weird. Sorry, guys, I over uh, overshot my notes. I lost it. All right. So the media had a field day with Germany's first cannibal. Uh, his first court case, which took place in like 2004-ish. Um, uh, Armin uh, Maiwis, a middle-aged computer technician, wowed the court and the public with his bizarre confessions. He appeared relaxed and normal despite the unusual nature of his crimes. Now, he was charged with a murder for sexual pleasure. However, he claimed that the man killed in 2001 um, burned Jurgen Brandes, volunteered to be killed and eaten, so there was no murder. Now, here is how this unusual case began. He had advertised on the internet for a well-built man who would consent to being killed and eaten. No bullshit, real life. He claims there were 400 cannibal websites and chat rooms. Supposedly, more than 200 men responded favorably to his ad. Now, remember, this is early 2000s, so this is like AOL days, boy. Um, and, the, and these groups were, if these groups were that big, I can only kind of imagine it being substantially larger now. Now, apparently, this Brandes, or victim, if you will, was one of them. And they got together for dinner um, at Brandes' home in Rot- Rottenburg. And this name is obviously fitting because something seems real rotten here. Uh, it's hard to say whether Brandes had planned to serve his penis that night or whether it came up as an idea the two uh, once the two men were together. Now, I have a different definition of serving my penis to a guest, but um, uh, Maywees claimed that Brandes wanted to have him cut off his penis. He then cooked the penis, and they ate it together. Now, he must have enjoyed that dick so much because at some point, uh, homie stabbed Brandes and um, dissected him, putting parts of his body in the freezer for future consumption. These events, at least in uh, Maiwis' mind, had enough entertainment value to record on his ca- uh, camcorder for future viewing. Perhaps his hobby could uh, could have continued had a, uh, a student not seen an- uh, another one of these dudes' advertisements on the internet and, and alerted the police like, hey man, there's something weird here going on. This guy's talking about like, who wants to come over and fucking be killed and eaten? Um, he told the court in his trial that um, Brandes came to him f- of his own free will uh, to end his life. And for him, it was a nice death. Now I beg to differ. Um, before the death, it's believed that Brandes consumed a large quantity of liquor and 20 or more sleeping pills. Cannibalism may not be against the law in Germany, but it, it guarantees one a free mental examination. So what the court found out after the psychiatric exam was very interesting. Now, he claimed that watching horror films is what uh, initiated the fantasies that he had as a child about eating people. Initially, he wanted to eat his schoolmates, he told the courts. The defense argued that there was no murder because he volunteered to be killed. The prosecution, however, felt that um, this dude's hobbies were very dangerous and that they should be locked and they should be locked up permanently. Ultimately, he was convicted of murder and disturbing the peace of the dead and is serving a life sentence in prison. Crazy enough, though, if you guys weren't aware, in Germany, um, it's customary for people sentenced to life to be released after only serving 15 years. So I call it life. But a court in um, in Castle actually rejected his early release in 2018. So dude is still behind bars. Good. Um, we uh, we had well, okay. So let's just real quick. We'll finish up this last one. We had an argument um, over a porn tape, a scuffle, uh, a possibly unintentional murder, uh, all topped off with a multi-course two-day meal. Boy, that's how Robert uh, Ackerman became Vienna's um, teenage cannibal killer. His case doesn't fit the typical profile of cannibalism. Ackerman's motives were neither ritualistic, partic- um, particularly bloodthirsty, nor, despite the pleasure the crime pro- uh, provided him, apparently wasn't sexual in nature either. His motive, uh, evidently, was among the most dangerous of all, which is twisted, misdirected, morbid curiosity. Curiosity killed the cat. 
Um, the young man seems to have killed Joseph Schweiger um, impulsively or even accidentally, then seized on the opportunity to explore his frightening fascination with the hidden secrets of the human body. By August 2007, Ackerman, then 19, had left his native Cologne, Germany, for Vienna, Austria, where he was staying in short-term housing for the uh, mentally ill and homeless uh, run by a private charity. He shared a room with this Joseph Schweiger, who was 49 and who had been in the facility since that June. Now, weekly social workers didn't seem to have been alarmed by Ackerman's behavior or concerned about the pair's feuds. But neighbors of the family, uh, family-filled tenement um, block who argued with the incre- uh, incredibly disturbed Ackerman saw him crawling naked through the yard howling at the moon or dumping what appeared to be blood uh, from his window, realized, you know, this team might be a little dangerous. Now, Ackerman was once a seemingly normal, friendly, intelligent boy in early adolescence um, with psychological problems uh, instigated either by the um, physiological changes of puberty or perhaps his father abandonment of the uh, family. He changed drastically. Um, Ackerman began hearing voices and manifesting serious behavioral problems. At 15, he left home. He experimented with uh, methamphetamines, ecstasy, and harder drugs, um, and with crime. He stole, sometimes pretending to be a businessman in order to bamboozle banks. He even masqueraded as a doctor for darker purposes. I mean, who the fuck was this kid interacting with? He like Leonardo DiCaprio or something? I mean, I get it. That movie was based on a real life. So, oh, that shit happened. I get it. Ah, but uh, it also didn't pl- take place like 10 years ago, man. Oh, excuse me. I got them burps. Um, Ackerman's history of severe mental illness was marked by several hospital stays, and he was diagnosed with schiz- schizoaffective psychosis. German authorities declared him, which this is the most craziest part, I think, of this story. German authorities declared him too ill for prison, but not quite sick enough to be placed in a state hospital for his protection or for that of society. And like I said, you heard that correctly. So um, this dude was basically on his own, despite his mother's desperate pleas and evidence that his disease could be controlled with medication, um, which he tended not to take if left unsupervised. He ended up in uh, Vienna, where earlier in 2007, he was arrested at a local hospital. He had been impersonating a doctor, hoping that, disguised as a member of the hospital staff, he might be able to sneak into an operating room and take part in a surgery. A boyhood dream. Uh, he, he, <laughs> hey, man, um, go out and make your dreams happen. <clears throat> he would soon get his chance, though. On the night of August 26, 2007, uh, the roommates, they kind of quarreled, right? For what has, um, you know, what was it, what had, had become like a, a normal thing. It was not the first time. So the high-strung uh, Ackerman had discovered that he was missing a pornographic video cassette and a, a cigarette lighter. Because <sighs> VH porn, uh, VHS porn and lighters are live, bro. If you weren't aware back in the day, man. Um, he confronted his roommate, who denied everything, but he did have the tape. Pissed off by the thought he uh, uh, his spank tape uh, was shared, Ackerman rifled through the older man's pockets to see what else he might have ganked. And a vicious fight broke out. In Ackerman's version of the story, the two exchanged blows until he hit Schweiger with such force that the older man fell on the bed, knocked out. Police say he actually blundered uh, Schweiger with a 22-pound dumbbell, cracking his skull. <laughs> He's like, man, I punched him in the face, knocked him out. It's like, no, 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 no. you hit him with a dumbbell, bro. Uh, you ain't that strong. Uh, Ackerman says he didn't realize that there was anything seriously wrong, so he left him on the bed, went back to his own room, and cooked and ate his non-human dinner, um, read a few chapters of a book, and then kind of drifted peacefully and innocently to sleep. Schweiger didn't get up the next day. 
Ackerman claims he uh, assumed the man was sleeping off a hangover, which was a frequent occurrence. That night, he checked in on him and saw him sprawled in the same position in which he had left him. Ackerman, who, remember, was an quote-unquote aspiring physician, checked for a pulse and a heartbeat. Dude was dead. He reacted to the discovery not with remorse or panic, but with eager delight. Finally, he could satisfy his curiosity about the inner workings of the human body. In an interview later, he would describe this as his greatest wish, to see what he looked like inside. He has stressed that he knew this would not hurt Schweiger and would provide him, you know, his own deepest joy. He used a razor-sharp butterfly knife to slice Schweiger from groin to throat, opening his abdomen, and to cut away the top of his skull. He reached into the corpse uh, uh, abdomen to explore the wet mysteries of the body and to feel Schweiger's internal organs. With a butcher knife, he cut out the intestines. Then he removed his brain and placed it on a plate. Ackerman would later try to claim that he did not eat Schweiger and that he merely tasted some of his blood to see what it was, you know, what it was like, a scientific experiment, if you will. On August 28th, the second day after the fight, he called the homeless hostel's uh, cleaning woman into the apartment and showed her the body. He suggested she call the police. <laughs> when police arrived at the blood-soaked first-floor apartment, a dispassionate Ackerman told them to look at what happened as if it were uh, an inexplicable random event in which he had no part. He even uh, initially tried to blame the grisly scene on the apartment's mice. Evidence obviously quickly exonerated the rodent population and implicated the troubled teen. Police on the scene reported that Ackerman was drooling and disoriented. His mouth was smeared with blood and and viscera um, and his clothes damp with the mess. He already eaten some of Schweiger's uh, Schweiger's brain, internal organs, and bicep tissue. The victim's tongue and the rest of his brain were plated for the boy's perverse breakfast. Even as deranged and uh, ecstatic as he was at the time, the boy quickly realized he was caught. He confessed. Unsurprisingly, DNA taste later later showed that the blood that um, drenched the the team's lips, hands, um, did indeed belong to the corpse. Authorities say Robert um, Ackerman has since been a model patient and prisoner. Whether the attack was a severe psychotic episode or an outpouring of the young man's longstanding sadistic urges, it's kind of unclear. Um, It was probably a combination of both. But like his mother said, therapy and consistent monitored medication have seemingly returned him to the real world. And he's able to talk about his crime. On September 4, 2008, um, an Austrian uh, jury agreed that Ackerman was not fit to stand trial, but would spend the rest of his life in Austria's um, Gallensdorf, a high security mental hospital. The cannibal of Vienna now says he plans to use his time institutionalized to study, you guessed it, medicine, so that if he's ever released, he can fulfill his longtime ambition of becoming a surgery uh, surgeon. Hate to burst your bubble, guy, um, but not going to happen. I do, I do appreciate appreciate the hope, though, because we all have goals, we all have dreams. Moral of, the, uh, of this episode, guys: humans are strange. All right, that's all I got for you. Um, I'll be back next week. Till then, uh, go and like the Instagram page. If you can't find it, you're too young to be listening to this podcast. Remember, the world is full of good people. If you can't find one, be one. I'll catch you on the flip side. You have just witnessed the lyrical stylistics of chromatic distortion.
I told you you're right. 